Good for us to continue. We're going to be continuing. Uh, I started a message last week, and I'm going to do the last half of it today, so probably a shorter message than uh, we normally have because it's just half a sermon. But uh, last week, we started looking at the passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, that says, Rejoice in as far as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. So Peter is writing this to people who actually were suffering. They were under persecution, like many of our brothers and sisters are throughout our world right now. And uh, even though we have not known what I would call a fiery trial, what Peter refers to as a fiery trial, we have known some uh, pushback, some... uh, 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 criticism perhaps or a little bit of reaction to us because of our Christian faith and when that happens Peter is saying in the first place don't be surprised you should expect suffering because in this world Jesus said you'll have tribulation in this world you are different we've called to be different we have a different mindset we have a different value system we have a different theological perspective we have uh, a different uh, a different destiny and even a different father you know because Paul said to I mean Jesus said to the Pharisees you are of your father the devil but we are God's children so it should not surprise us we shouldn't be shocked when somebody who is not a Christian maybe makes fun of us or ridicules us or or even insults us because of our faith in Jesus. So that's the first thing he says. Uh, then he says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Uh, he says, it's, it's actually uh, God's favor is on you if you are insulted for the name of Christ because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But then he moves into a, this is the where the text really takes up today, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. But let none of you suffer as a, or 15, I'm sorry. Uh, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or a meddler. He says, if you suffer because you're causing it, then don't rejoice at that. And sometimes as Christians, we actually... Uh, we actually uh, maybe irritate people over something that doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. doesn't have anything to do with, uh, with our faith. We, uh, maybe we're just obnoxious every once in a while. Any of you like that? Well, you wouldn't admit it, of course. But, uh, uh, but sometimes we just say things and do things that have nothing at all to do with the gospel. And then somebody insults us back or they... Uh, 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 or get upset with us, and we say, well, I guess I'm just suffering for Jesus. Well, no, you're suffering for ignorance, probably, or for irritation. You just, you're just suffering because you've not been wise and tactful and careful. But he says, he takes it to the extreme, don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or something. But he said, if anyone suffers as a Christian... And by the way, this is one of only three times in the Bible that the word Christian is used. But uh, it's, uh, 
It's a good word here. If any of you suffers as a Christian, then don't, don't be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. So he says, first of all, if you're suffering, ask this question. Am I causing it? Am I doing something to, uh, to, to cause it? I know I've told you the story before about my wife's cousin, Tony. He went out witnessing with me one night. We went to this uh, skating rink, and there was a guy sitting there, had his window down, his arm out the uh, window, and he was smoking a cigarette. And Tony goes up to this guy and says, uh, Are you saved? And the guy said something like, Get away, get away, get away. Uh, he wasn't interested in talking about Jesus at that time. And then Tony persists, and he says, uh, uh, do you want to go to heaven when you die? And the guy said, look, leave me alone. I don't believe in any of that stuff. So Tony just reached over and pulled the cigarette out of his mouth and turned it and stuck the hot end to the guy's arm. And the guy screamed, and Tony said, well, it'll be a lot hotter than that in hell. And the guy starts getting out of the car. Mad, he's going to whip both of us, you know. I'm holding the door to, and I told Tony, I said, you know, that's not the right approach to witnessing. You know, you don't do it that way. And I, I said, if that guy had got out and beat you up, you wouldn't have been suffering for Jesus. You would have been suffering for just being stupid. So uh, so he says, if you if you suffer for as a Christian, then... Don't be ashamed. In Peter's day, there were people who were being arrested for being a Christian, and they were being put in jail, or maybe they were being persecuted in some way, and they were embarrassed, they were ashamed that, uh, that, they, were, that they were being put in jail. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to anybody who believes, Jew or Gentile. So we should never be ashamed of Jesus. And, uh, and, and even if it costs us something. Listen to a sermon by Andy Stanley this last week, and he defined integrity this way. He said integrity is doing the right thing even if it is costly. And sometimes it is costly, isn't it? Sometimes when we say the right thing, do the right thing, speak the right thing, there is some cost to it. Integrity is when we refuse to back down, we refuse to shut up, we refuse to sit back, we just do the right thing, even if it's costly. So he said, if you suffer as a Christian, don't, don't feel like that's something to be ashamed of. It's not but rather glorify God in that name. And then he says something very interesting in this next verse. He said, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So two things he says here. First of all, God holds us to a higher standard than he does the rest of the world. God does not expect unsaved people to live Christian lives. But he does expect that of us. Remember, 
we are God's children. We represent our Heavenly Father and our Savior. And so God holds us to a standard of sons and daughters, not neighbors and friends. When uh, my brother and I were little, we go out in the backyard, we get into uh, some trouble with our neighbor neighborhood boys. I, maybe that's why we move so often. I just uh, I was saying the other day, I wondered why we moved. I lived in 21 different places, all in the same town when I was growing up. And I always wondered, I always wanted to ask my mother, why did we move so often? But I just thought of it just now. I bet it was because I kept getting in trouble with the neighborhood boys. And so they would move. But anyway, when we'd be out, we'd be getting into a fight, throwing rocks or something like that, and having a tussle of some kind with uh, our neighborhoods or, or throwing rocks. Uh, I don't want to say too much, but at cars as they were going by or something like that. Shame on us. You know, I know we shouldn't have done it. But uh, my dad would come to the door, and he would just call mine and Don's name. He didn't call the neighborhood boys. And he'd bring us in. And he'd give us a whipping because we were misbehaving. And we'd think sometimes, well, why didn't you whip Freddie? Why didn't you whip these other kids? Why didn't you? But we know now why he didn't, because they weren't his kids. And so judgment begins with the disobedient children. And so we think, wow, well, then I guess it's an advantage to not be one of God's children. Because if God disciplines his children but he doesn't always discipline others then maybe it's better not to be one of God's children no because he says if it begins with us just imagine how much worse it will be for those who aren't God's children you see God operates with his children on a cash basis if I do wrong he calls me to account for it right then deal with it now that's why every one of us need to keep short accounts with sin isn't that what they said Kathy at uh, life action I think one of the things they talked about at life action was keeping short accounts with your sin so because God deals with his children on a cash basis he deals with the world on a credit basis the Bible talks about those who store up. They're just heaping up, storing up judgment in time to come. My brother and I were little. We went with my daddy to the grocery store one time. It wasn't a grocery store, just a little neighborhood store, Sharon's grocery store it was called. And uh, we went in. My daddy got four or five things and went up to... Get it? And he just said, charge it. And he gathered up all this stuff, and he walked out, and he didn't pay any money for it. And my brother and I said, wow, that's amazing. Charge it. Magic words. So the next day, we went into Mr. Sharon's grocery store. We got us a Pepsi-Cola and sack of peanuts we always poured our peanuts in our pepsi and everything and then we got us a little ice cream bar and we walked up to the store front and we just thought we're going to try this out and we just walked up 
Mr. Sharon looked at us, and we said, here we're getting this, this, and this. He said, charge it. He said, okay. And we turned around and walked out. We kept expecting somebody to say, wait a minute, you didn't pay for it. But nobody said anything. We said, this is, this is wonderful. Two little magic words, charge it. And so the next day we went back, we got some more. We did that every day for right after school, every day for about two weeks, two and a half weeks. The end of the month came, and our daddy called us in, and he held up a big sheet of paper, and he said, I need an explanation. We said, for what? He said, look at this bill. And we didn't see any bill. We didn't know what a bill was. And then he explained to us that all that stuff we had been buying, now he had to pay for. And we learned a very important lesson that day. In fact, he definitely impressed it upon us in a certain kind of way. But we learned that day that there are no magic words. That charge it simply means... I get away with it right now. But payday comes later. And I want to tell you, God's children, when we sin, God deals with us instantly right now. And judgment begins at the household of God. But unsaved people, they say, I'm getting away with it. I sin, I lie, I steal, I do this, I do that. And I just say, charge it. And God doesn't call me to account. But I'm telling you, there is a day coming. There is a day of reckoning in which God will pull out the bill. And he will say, you have stored up unto the day of wrath disobedience to a holy God. So just because you're not getting caught, just because you're not having to pay for it right now, don't think you're getting away with it. Because he says if those who are being saved are scarcely saved, that is, it's, it's by grace alone what will become of the ungodly and the sinner. You will have to answer for your sin if you haven't brought it to the cross and had it covered by the blood of Jesus, you will give an account for your own sin. And then the last thing he says is, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good says here's the thing you if you're suffering for Jesus sake for righteousness sake then you entrust yourself your soul your life to a faithful creator this word entrust here is a Greek word that's a banking term it means to make it as a deposit into a safe uh, uh, place, a, a, somebody that 
says, I'll take care of it. We go to the bank. We make our deposit at the bank. And we see a little sign on the window. What does it say? This institution is insured by the FDIC. What is that? Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. That makes me feel better. This bank is insured. It's covered up to, what is it, $10,000, $20,000, something like that? $250,000? Wow, now I feel even better. My $85 is safe. I put it in the bank, and they say you have entrusted it to an institution that has enough money in reserve to cover whatever you've put in. See, I sleep better at night now, knowing that it's all the way up to $250,000. So that's the term that's used here. He says, you entrust yourself, your soul, your being to a faithful God who is able to protect and guard and keep whatever you have entrusted, deposited, committed to him. There's a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, where the apostle Paul actually uses this same word. He says, which is why I suffer as I do. He's talking about how that he himself has suffered Christ. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced, I am persuaded, the King James says, I am convinced that he is able to guard or to keep or to protect until that day what has been entrusted to me. So God has made a deposit in me. His son, his gospel, his grace. I, in turn, make my deposit in him. And I am absolutely confident that what I have committed to him, he is able to protect and guard. And the world may never appreciate it. Jesus said to his disciples, don't be afraid when you're arrested, when you're thrown into prison, whatever. Don't fear those who can kill you, but you f- who can kill the body. But you fear him, you reverence him, you trust him who is able to cast body and soul into the flames of hell. So we put our trust in a loving Father, and we say, what I've entrusted to him, what I've committed unto him, I'm confident that he will protect it, guard it, keep it, until the day of Christ's return. So that's a good place to deposit yourself. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have deposited in us the great treasure of the gospel of grace.
And we have this treasure, you tell us, in clay pots, in earthen vessels. And we realize how fragile we are. We realize how weak we are. And yet what you've entrusted to us is permanent. It is eternal life. And now we entrust ourselves into you, your hands. And we trust you to keep what we have entrusted to you all the way to the day of the coming of Jesus. And I pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.